Welcome to episode 248 of the Outback Mind podcast. Thanks so much for listening in. Uh, thank you so much for the uh, great feedback we've had from the recent podcast we've, uh, we've just done uh, with, uh, with Diesel and Tony McManus. And um, yeah, I uh, really appreciate your support and uh, supporting the Outback Mind Foundation primarily and what we're trying to do to sort of try and help men in regional Australia to be able to gain better mental health literacy. Um, you know, we're, we're accepting poor mental health outcomes in regional communities and uh, I think we've got to turn that around. So a big part of what we're doing with this podcast is to try and give stories of lived experience and how people can change their lives. And, you know, today's guest um, is a lady by the name of Sally Pimer. Now, I haven't had a, a lady on uh for a while, so I apologise about that. But um, Sally's story is truly amazing. Um, you know, against all odds, she's uh, she's bounced back many times, um, had lots of trials and tribulations in her life and challenges. But um, certainly, uh, what she's been able to achieve with her physical fitness and her, uh, I suppose, passion for health and health promotion and prevention is really uh, critical and important. We've just accepted poor health in uh, in modern society, <clears throat> physical and mental, and just basically laid down to that. I just think we've got a job to do to be able to turn that around. <clears throat> and pardon me, and Sally is uh, primarily driving that in the Wimbra Mallee in uh, Victoria. So uh, you know, I know Sally really well, and um, um, you know we've done a bit of fitness stuff together and all that. And um, yeah, I just think that this story is going to be pretty, uh, well, truly helpful to a lot of people out there. So I really encourage you to share it about. And uh, you know, pass it on to others that uh, that may find it helpful. Uh, I just wanted to mention also the, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, the documentary we just released called Healing Men's Minds. So we've had this screened in um, uh, numerous locations throughout Queensland, and um, it's such a powerful story uh, that we want to try and you know get it out there more and more, just to raise conversations about men and men's health and what we need to be able to uh, start doing more of moving forward to be able to. Know, gain good mental health so uh, that's really our birthright at the end of the day so if you're interested in um, in uh, getting us into your community or your workplace to uh, to do a men's health session uh, really appreciate you reaching out uh, just uh, email support at outbackmind.org.au you can go on uh, the website outbackmind.org.au and have a look at the trailer if you like and uh, and yeah reach out from there so alrighty, uh, appreciate you listening in and uh, really appreciate your feedback g'day sally G'day, Aaron. Oh, thanks for joining me. It's probably been a while since I've seen you in the flesh, but you still sound the same. Yeah, it has been a while. I guess you've moved up north and I'm still down in Victoria. So, yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely has been a while, but I follow what you do. So the it's, good, um, the good, it's good. The good thing is that you, start, you sound the same and you, you're still looking after yourself and I don't think that'll ever change. No, I don't think so. Like, I think it's such a lifelong, a lifelong goal of mine just to try and look after, after myself, mm-hmm. because no one else is going to unless I do it myself. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But see, we've been taught to outsource it, eh? And um, I think I think you're a prime example of someone that's taken your your own power back, and and you know sort of looked at it objectively and, and you know, you had some major, uh, I suppose, uh, interruptions when you were young and you sort of thought, well, what can I do within myself to be able to um, to, to, to help myself? What did that look like for you? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And, and I guess it probably goes back to when I was young. So when I was uh, well, probably from about, eight, from about eight months onwards, I had asthma mm. and I was in, had to go to a specialist at the children's hospital for that asthma and what he suggested 
I do, as a lot of doctors for asthma at that stage, was to take up swimming. So it was a combination of medicine and swimming, but the big thing was, you know, you need to take up swimming to strengthen your lungs and to, you know, try to be a bit proactive while you're growing up, mm. which I guess it, it started there and it's kind of progressed from there, I guess. Mm. Mm. You've been on a, on, a, on a prevention journey most of your life, but isn't it interesting because I had problems when I was a young fella too, but uh, there was a lot of lead in the paint. There was like, you know, a lot of... Um, uh, toxins in the environment that we're in, and I reckon that probably caused a lot of it. And a lot of people smoked cigarettes in um, in our buildings back then, so that we weren't sort of, um, you know, weren't getting much help along the way with it all. No, no, that's right. There was there were so many people smoking, out, and I even remember going to swimming carnivals in Melbourne, and there was you know all the the parents were out the front smoking, and then you've got the kids inside that have problems with their lungs <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> it just seems so all wrong uh, yeah. to be doing that. And even I remember as a teenager, you know, there was still, there was still smoking. You'd go to a blue light disco and people would be smoking in there. And, mm. yeah, there was just, um, yeah, so much of it around. And I even remember when I was young too, my parents did a few renovations on the house. Mm. And asbestos, asbestos was around then too. So unsure whether that was you know in the buildings as well and whether that's had an impact on my health or mm, not possibly yeah absolutely there was lots of lots of hazards that we were unconscious of back then and i think um yeah there's um we've improved a lot but i think we've still got a long way to go and um yeah i just think you know being healthy is our birthright isn't it and uh, that's the way we're sort of meant to meant to be and if we've got blockages like you had i think um you know overcoming them is is important but i, I know you were told when you were young that you were going to have emphysema by the time you were 40, is that right? Yeah, it was. So, like I said, I had asthma when I was young and I stopped going to the doctor probably about 12 and he said, you know, it's just childhood asthma, you've probably grown out of it. So I thought, great. And then I, I was at uni and I got a virus and I ended up going to hospital because it, it was quite bad, ended up a chest infection and I remember being there and they brought in this machine like a peak flow and they said, look, once you can blow 200 on this machine, we'll let you go home. I thought, fantastic. But the more I tried, I just couldn't do it. And then they identified that, you know, this was permanent. I actually had a permanent lung obstruction at the age of 19. Mm -hmm. And they said, look, you'll probably have emphysema type by the time you're 40. Which, when I was 19, I thought 40 was pretty old. <laughs> yeah. I thought, oh, that's years away, years away. But the doctors couldn't believe how I was breathing. They they would say, how do you breathe? I said, well, I just do. And they said, but how can you do that? I said, well, I probably don't know any difference. So mm. I probably suspect I was born with it. So, yeah, I don't mm. know, don't know any different. Mm, amazing. So did how did you get better? Did you basically uh, keep... Uh, with your swimming and did you other did you pick up other athletic pursuits around the same time or did that sort of evolve as you got older? No, it probably evolved as I got older. So I think probably around about 19 I was at uni and I just probably went into denial. I was a bit rebellious. Um, and when I found out the first thing I did was go back to my room and have a smoke. Really? And I wasn't even a smoker. Yeah, I just kind of went, well, you know, if I'm going to die... I might as well find out what this smoking was all about. So I sat on the, sat out in the room and I had a bit of a smoke and went, oh, this is a bit 
bit silly. So yeah, I probably mm. went into denial and went, well, you know, it's not really true. This is not what's happening. So mm. um, yeah, which is probably not the right way to go. So I, I came back from uni and just probably forgot about it for about 10 years probably. Mm-hmm. So but you, I did, no, yeah, go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, once I had kids, I probably got back into swimming just as a bit of a break from um, the kids. So that's probably when it all started again. So, so you, like, we're going we're gonna to sort of go pretty deep quickly here, but the fitness thing with for you has been really extreme. Like, I, I think that was probably nearly 20 years ago when you sort of got to that point, but you've done some amazing things, um, you know, with your body since then, you know. I'd like to sort of hear from you how it sort of evolved, like when you sort of did uh, get back into it and when you sort of started to get into triathlons and all the big stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, so probably getting back to it, like I said, I um, I got back into swimming when my kids were young um, and then, believe it or not, my husband, after I had the kids, he said, oh, you're looking a bit chubby. Do you want me to, to buy you a gym membership? And I just felt like whacking him. I went, there's no way I am doing that. Like, how rude. So I was so determined that I wasn't going to go to the gym because he wanted me to. Um, but, yeah, swimming. And then there were some people at my work. Uh, so I worked in science as a research scientist who were going to the gym at lunchtime. So I started going to the gym um, and there happened to be a bludge day, which was a team triathlon. And I thought, well, I'm going to take a couple of days off to do a triathlon with this team. And I did the swim legs. And after that, I went, oh, wow, this is amazing. Let's see if I can do the whole distance myself. Mm. And so from a matter of, you know, November doing, you know, a 500-metre swim in a triathlon, I went to, to doing the whole lot in January 2000, I think it was. So that was a 42K ride and a 10K run? So I started off. I started off with a five hundred meter swim, twenty k bike ride, and five k run. Mm-hmm. And I'd never actually run five kilometers before I did that triathlon. So mm-hmm. I did that. I thought I'm going to do one triathlon, and then I went, "Wow, this is amazing!" So I'll just take it from there. And yeah, it just happened to meet up with some other people who were running. They. T- uh, there was a lady here who taught me into doing a marathon, so I did the marathon, and then from there, all of a sudden, I was doing a half Ironman, and then I did an Ironman event. So the mm. Ironman was a 3.8-kilometre swim, 180k bike ride and 42k run. Mm. So I went from pretty much not much to an Ironman in three years, probably. Really? Amazing, amazing. I'd like to know, I've never done one of them, but i tell you, I really respect anyone that, 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 you know, first of all, puts the commitment in to do it, but primarily did you find that you had self-doubt and, and all that type of stuff as you were sort of, you know, preparing and training? Did you think that you could make it or what, what did it look like for you? Yeah, so I did have I did have self-doubt, I guess, before my first triathlon, mm-hmm. which was that short one, because um, I actually rang up the organiser of that triathlon and said, I don't even know if I can make it. And he said, that's okay. Just give it a go. You can walk if you need to. Um, and, yeah, I guess there was there was a bit of self-doubt, but there's also the thought, well, what have I got to lose? So, mm. you know, if I don't try it, I'll never know. So 
I guess I've got a bit of self-determination that once I get started, I'm a pretty hard trainer and I'm pretty determined to do something. So if I put my mind to it, yes. I can do it. But yeah, but there always is that doubt because you don't you don't know. And I, I don't like failing. Mm, it's so, a fear of the unknown, isn't it? And yeah. um, I just think you're... Um, yeah, you, you, you've given yourself a chance because you've actually like done the small steps to be able to get to that point. And um, see, a lot of people, they, they want to get to the uh, end destination without putting the work in, and uh, that's where we fail. But I think, yeah, to prepare yourself over three years to get to that point, that's, that's really amazing. You, you need to be proud of yourself for that. But, like, geez, um, you know, what was it like when you, when you did actually compete and you finished it? Oh, look, it was, it was amazing. And... I had my family there, so so when I did my so I did my first one in two thousand and three. So my youngest child was five at that stage, mm. um, and he actually remembers it. It was a it had a huge impact on him. Mm. So I think sometimes when you do these events, you you actually don't know. You've got little eyes watching you, and you've got other people watching you. Yeah. And and I think you can never underestimate the impact that you have on others. So yes, to 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 finish was just amazing and to have my family there and to know that I've achieved it mm, and, mm. and and it's not just about the event either it, it carries over so much into life as yes. well because you know that's an Ironman but you know it kind of gives you the um courage to try other things because if you can do that what else can I do in life you know get out of your comfort zone and try something new Yes. So it just kind of spurs you on from there. Yeah, yeah, the growth. And uh, just to tell you, like, the hairs are standing up in the back of my neck so I'm thinking, what can I do next? But um, that, that's one of the traps we fall into. Uh, and you're, you're very much similar to me. It's like uh, when, when you've done something, you want to just keep chasing and getting better. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to know sort of what happened for you from there. Did you give yourself a break or what did you, uh, what did you do? Yeah, so it was interesting. My youngest was five at that stage and because I went full on, not really knowing what I was doing, self-training, I, I burnt myself out because I just didn't train properly and I probably went too fast into it. So I thought I'll have a year off and I actually didn't get back into Ironman again until my youngest was in year 12. So I went from prep to year 12. I had such a big gap in there. So... 12, 12 years, but I became a fitness instructor during that time, so helping other people on their on their journey. Mm, amazing. Um, as well. But yeah, so it was just that huge, huge gap in between. And I think that's it. You can train, but it's a matter of training smart too. You don't need to train full on. You actually need to train smart so that you don't do too much. Yes, yeah, that's right. And recover properly too, you know. And uh, a lot of us, uh, yeah, you, you, you do the work and then you sort of don't switch off. And I think the rest and recovery is, you know, just as important as, as um, you know, the, the, the steps and the kilometres that you do as well. And, um, yeah, we've got to probably get better at putting time into that as well as, uh, you know, getting the, uh, getting the job done. And that's something for me personally that I, I struggle with. But um, I think eventually over time, very much similar like you, it's just moment by moment and it's just incremental steps which can lead to big results. Would you agree? Yeah, yes, definitely. I, I think you do need those little steps 
to, to get there, to, to slowly kind of build up. Otherwise, your body will let you know as mm. well because yeah. you start to get injured and you'll break down and it's just too much. And I know when I was doing too much, I would get sick or I'd just be a really grumpy person to live with. <laughs> but I agree, it's so easy, to, it's so hard to switch off because you just think, oh, I should be doing more and more mm. and more. Um, and where do you stop? And if I do a little bit more, I'll be able to go faster and I'll get better. And, yeah, it becomes a bit of a, 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 bit of a trap and, and then it can kind of tend to take over your life as well. Yeah. Uh, and that's not so good. So I remember thinking, well, look, no, I can't go out to have dinner because I've got to get up and train the next day mm-hmm. or I'm too tired to do things. And, and when it starts, starts to take over your life, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not great yeah. at all. And I think that's what ended up happening to me in the end. Yeah, yeah, sounds familiar. And um, yeah, I, 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 when I wasn't running, I was thinking about running. And um, uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Like we we do these things to improve ourselves, but it can take over our lives. And if we um, we get attached, then uh, it's not great. So yeah, I was the same. Like I'd I'd take the food out and get them to put it on a plate for me rather than eat what was uh, at the restaurant. Or um, I'd um, you know I'd just avoid going anywhere with people, and that. That really, uh, you know, had a detrimental effect because, yeah, your, your social life and that um, connectivity is, is really important. But I think if you could become too too strict and too disciplined, you, you have consequences as well. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's very extreme too, Aaron. We're not, um, <laughs> not going out and not, and not socialising. And mm. yeah, to be thinking about running and, and doing things when you're, you're not, that, that's, it's a sure sign that it's... But it's... Um, and I can realise that too. If, if I wasn't thinking running, I was reading running or mm. reading what I could do next or I was looking at YouTube clips and or looking at recipes and the latest diets <laughs> yeah. and things. So it's um, <laughs> it sounds like you've had very similar, Aaron, and, yeah, yeah. that whole taking over and, and, and then all, your, all the people that you do socialise with are the people that are into running or triathlons as well and then all you do talk about is that. So it's hard to get back to that normal everyday talk. Yeah, balance, that's true. And, um, yeah, look, you know, it takes all different types to make a society up and um, to be able to be non-judgmental of people that aren't doing what you're doing and uh, to be able to, you know, respect everyone for their decisions. But, you know, when we talk about health, I know you, as, as, as I do, um, you know, are very passionate about prevention rather than the reactive sort of system that we're in. Um, you know, and I just think it's our job to be able to help people rise up, but, but, but not force them. You know, I just help people to be curious and and get them on on a journey of looking after themselves. Because I think we've been um, sort of trained to be uh, dependent, and I sort of think we need to be able to, you know, create some independence. If you hadn't have done that, you'd probably be, you know, riddled with emphysema by now. I, yeah, I could possibly, and, and that's where I kind of think that you know, if I hadn't been proactive with myself, where would I be? And, you know, I've made it past 40, you know, like I'm 51 now. So mm. I've made it past it and I don't have emphysema, but it was, yeah, it, it's a lifelong thing to do. But I think also people, I think, I think today's society is very much a quick fix kind of thing. People perhaps are expecting quick results and not prepared to, you know, make those lifelong changes that are going to make an effect. But they only need to be little things that you do. It doesn't have to be this huge, you know, 
huge big thing that's hard and it's a matter of finding what's what suits people um, as well and and I think sometimes people think you know if you're gonna go out and exercise and you need to go out and run or you need to you know go full-on but it's not it's not about that at all it's about finding what suits what's the individual and what they're happy and enjoy doing and if you're happy and healthy and you're eating well you feel better anyway yep that's right but isn't it funny like in in a lot of small regional communities and regional towns a lot of people haven't actually known what it's like to feel good because we've been sort of addicted to a high sugar diet you know from early on and where I live now, I go to the bakery and I'm thinking, God, like, you know, there's so many people that are looking gaunt and they're not, they're not healthy, you know, just because of the food they're eating. And it's just those small little changes which can bring you back to life again. And, um, um, yeah, I, I just – I don't want to see people go through their lives and, um, and not, not know what it's like to, to feel, you know, feel okay um, rather than looking for stimulation all the time and – yeah, I just think we've got a lot of work to do in regional areas to be able to promote good health and, and really, in, you know, encourage others to, to do those little one percenters which can help them feel a bit better. And I think once we do start feeling a little bit better, then we become curious about what's possibly next. And you don't have to go and run or do ultra marathons, but, you know, I just think if we can become a little bit more independent with the way we live life and we start to give food or give, give our bodies food, which are which is nourishing and um, you know more holistic rather than manufactured. I think um, that's that's the way the body's designed. We're not meant to have all these false things sort of going through it, which uh, are causing disease. Um, and I think you'll probably find that where you live in Horsham that that's probably been uh, intergenerational for for quite a few years. Yeah, I, I think it has. There, there is, and I I don't know that people actually know how unhealthy the food is, and whether people just don't think about it and I guess one of the things that I struggle with is food being used as a treat and as a reward yeah like you know you do a good job we'll give you a cake or you're doing well we'll give you a cake or biscuits and (laughs) it just kind of brings that in that that's how you reward people when there's so many other better ways ways to do it and yeah there's so much sugar in foods and so much unhealthy Things, but, but because it seems to be such a community thing that you think that everybody does it, you don't question it and all, it's almost like if someone's not eating like that, you think, well, what's what's going on with with you? Mm. And, and I know I'm, I'm a strong advocate for eating healthy at work and, and at, you know, in the people that I mix with and it's a bit like, oh, Sally won't eat that. And I'm like, no, because it actually makes me feel better and I'm healthier and I feel good and I can enjoy life and I sleep better. Mm. And I'd love that for you too. So, I'm, you know, I'd love to promote it so that people can be as healthy as they, as they can. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's funny though with, um, you're right, you think about it when we are little kids, like a celebration was around birthday parties and that was just, like high high content sugar foods and um we we get taught early to associate you know reward with um with celebration um you know which is not a bad thing but we've got to be able to put the full stop on it too because once you get you, you get that sort of you know run through yourselves and your body wants more of it and all of a sudden you're on this cycle and um yeah, I was, I was like that too myself for years because I was sort of you know my mum my and my family were beautiful people but it was always 
you know, cream puffs, sponge cakes, bloody lamingtons, chocolate eclairs, this, that, the other, and it was it was all the time, you know. So the body, uh, the body by the time I was ten was was copping a fair whack of sugar, which was probably foreign sugar rather than the natural stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I guess it's, yeah, you, you come home from school and you have that, and that would be quite normal for the era that we were in mm. as well. And I remember um, I, for FebFast a few years ago, I decided to give up sugar and coffee at the same time yeah. because I don't drink alcohol, which is a choice I've made. Yeah. And, oh, my goodness, I felt horrible for the first few days, and I thought it was the coffee but someone said, no, it's the sugar. And I would have thought I was someone that didn't have too much sugar. Mm. But after four weeks, oh, my goodness, I felt amazing. Mm. It was just such a such an eye-opener to me about how much sugar is in food mm. and how, how much more energy you have if you don't eat sugar. Yes. Because yeah. I think a lot of people associate sugar with energy and you're going to feel better, but it's not like that at all. It's actually the, the opposite. Like you said, if you kind of become used to it and then you're searching out more and you're trying to get that sugar hit and it's um, yeah, a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, but, yeah, see, when we were young it was probably more, you know, baked and, and handmade, but now it's all um, in a can or it's, uh, you know, in a packet. Uh, and that's how they're getting their... Um, their sugar fixes, and um, that's not good because that also leads to poor mental health, you know, uh, the spike, but also the low that comes with it. And, um, you know, it, uh, yeah, we're, we're both pretty passionate about health promotion. I I just wish that more um, health professionals, uh, when, a, when a young person or anyone's in, you know, in, in crisis, that they're actually, like, looking at the diet before they prescribe, you know, potential um, chemical enhancement because... The body will correct itself, as you discovered, if you, you give it the right environment to do so. And I think that's got to be the way forward more so. Would you agree? Yeah, yes, definitely. Definitely. I think it would be great if there was more health promotion of everybody. Let's, let's put the money into, you know, making sure people can get healthy food and, and they can exercise and, you know, they're socially connected rather than putting the money at the other end where it's treatment side of things. So mm. how, how much better would, you know, our communities and, you know, Australia be if we had happier, healthier people who, you know, were loving life rather than needing to go to the doctor to get pills. But I think sometimes it's easier also to just take a pill or just to go to the doctor and have a quick fix than to, to spend that time actually developing a plan of how you could actually be healthier for yourself. Yeah, yeah. agree, Sally. And it's something that I'm, I'm really, you know, passionate about because, you know, you were born the year after I was primarily, but I've seen the whole, the whole system change because back then everyone sort of grew and shared and all that type of thing. And then we'll sort of get into the supermarket and then we were geared towards... You know, dependency and then people got too busy and were looking for fast foods and that type of thing and um, you know that's unfortunately been a, a, a consequence of modern life but if you want to go further back there's there's been some sinister motives which has actually pushed us down a path of dependence and um, you know that that by getting us hooked on you know high fat high sugar high cholesterol foods uh, is, is steering us towards you know having to look outside and I just think you know, the body is so intelligent. If we can get out of the road and start to clean things up, physically and mentally we feel better. And, um, 
yeah, I just think that's the education we've got to start to try and help people, you know, work towards because how much better would life be if everyone was in a good physical and mental state? And I think that's definitely possible. You know, there is uh, some non-communicable disease and some diseases which are inevitable, but I think the majority can be prevented uh, and the, the majority can be self-cured as well. You know, we can actually correct things ourselves. You know, you and I have seen some tremendous um you know, examples of people which have, you know, probably done what you've done and said no to a uh, potential diagnosis and um, and taken, you know, uh, a different approach. And I just think you're empowering yourself rather than disempowering yourself if you're able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, you're right. You've, you've got to be able to make those choices and feel comfortable making those choices as well and make it easy. And you're talking about the the fast food and the takeaway and the high fat and things. And I remember when I was growing up, the closest matters to us was two hours away. Yeah, Ballarat was a treat, so, yeah. <laughs> which is Ballarat. So you'd have matters maybe when you went to Melbourne, which might be once a year. Mm. And the supermarkets shut at lunchtime on a Saturday and they weren't open all day. They shut at five o'clock. So people were able to play sport. And if they didn't have the food, they, you know, they couldn't get it from the supermarket. You'd go next door and ask your neighbour or uh, you, you just have to go without. Yeah, and takeaway wasn't something that you had very often. It was a very rare occurrence. And like you said, you would bake things and, and cook things. But you'd also know what was in it. Mm. And I guess you wouldn't have so many preservatives and um, additives to keep it, you know, on the shelves and able to be, to be eaten. So... Yes. And I think it's unfair too, I think, that, you know, some of these fast food places are put in low socioeconomic areas and it's very placed to make money, Mm -hmm. which is very, very sad. It is, like you said, very, very sinister. So, Mm. you know, people make the best choices they can. But even I was thinking, I was, I was talking to someone, I was at a health promotion day the other day and, and this lady said, we have chocolates at work. And she said, I don't want to eat chocolate. She said, but if it's on the desk at work, I can't stop myself from eating it, so I'm going to eat it. So please don't have it there. Mm. So I think it's a matter of if your eyes are open to it and it's right in front of your face, you're probably more likely to choose it than if it's not there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, 100%. And I'll give you an example. Like, I don't want to get off track too much, but I worked uh, at a health pro- um, uh, health uh, promotion role with the Tassie government and I got rid of the Coke machines out of the hospitals. But uh, that, that was like a kicking and screaming exercise, which, you know, I had to stand firm through because basically we're, we're, we're promoting crap in, uh, in what's meant to be a health environment. So that was the first thing that I did and it made me extremely unpopular. But um, at the same time, you know, you've got to stand up uh, to, to the potential risks that are there. And, um, uh, you know, there's risks around us all the time. Um, you know, people that don't have the education are going towards, um, you know, fast foods and, and you know, quick, quick fixes that, uh, that aren't going to help them. Um, so if we're going to get serious about this sort of stuff, we've got to actually have a whole of community approach. And I think, you know, there's got to be communities out there that want to, you know, start to say no uh, to this sort of stuff. Unfortunately, the economy has been driven by, um, you know, uh, I suppose an explosion in, um, 
in, in, in alcohol and, um, uh, you know, fast foods and all that type of things over the years. And that's been, you know, really great for, for the economy. But I just think, yeah, you know, if we're going to get serious about it, we've got to really start to, um, to give more, um, I suppose, awareness and have people like you out there front and centre really talking about this sort of stuff more consistently because, um, you know, poor physical and mental health outcomes uh, are just, you know, snowballing. And I just don't think that's got to, pardon me, you've got to stop at some point in time. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful that you had the lived experience to be able to, you know, help people understand that they can turn the corner. And I think, could, could you give us some examples of some of the, you know, the great things you've been able to do over the journey up until where you are now? Yeah, where do I go with that? So <laughs> I guess, um, I mean, I guess it's just enjoying everyday life. But but I think it's just being able to, you know, like I took a friend's daughter climbing to the pinnacle because, you know, someone that's a similar age to me but just didn't feel physically able to do that. Mm. So sometimes it's just the simple things that you can do with that, that, you know, that it's enabled me to do that, you know, go overseas. But I guess I'll probably, yeah, go back to what you were saying too about the, the promotion. I mean, I think it's a lot about role modelling too. Like what are we role modelling in our society? Like, you know, mm. as you said about the Coke machines, if it's okay in a health service to have Coke, then it mustn't be that bad is probably what the community would think yeah. would be my perspective from that. So I would be thinking that health organisations should be setting a positive example about what good health is so that the others will follow. Otherwise, I think it, it's a bit, it's about do what I do rather than do what I say. If you're not doing what you say, well, then who's going to take any, any notice of you yeah. with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and and um, you you you've been able to lead by example, and um, just getting back to what I was saying before, have you have you found that some people have taken notice, and have you seen like you know physical evidence of people that have actually like really turned the corner in these small communities to, to change and improve their lives? Look, I think there would be some, um, and I actually found with I did actually do a run in South Africa as well, which was a, um, it was an 89-kilometre run in, yeah, South Africa called Comrades. <laughs> and I actually had a lot of the community follow me. And when I came back, I actually heard of a parent say, look at that girl, look at that lady. She is normal. There is nothing special about her. Look what you can do mm. if you really put your mind to it and you live healthily. Mm. So I think I like to be someone that leads by example so if i can be seen to be doing things like that then perhaps other people will follow um as well and the same yeah perhaps you know people have taken up marathons and done things like that and actually have asked what i eat so yeah. i've been able to give some advice about that i'm on the healthy eating group at the hospital um and I'm, i guess i'm somewhere for promoting just promoting health within my children and my family as well, and I've actually found that, you know, by me talking, my husband is actually out promoting that as well. Mm. So you never know the impact you can have and how far it can spread. Yeah, and your husband's a farmer too. And, um, you know, I know a lot of farmers that are pretty unhealthy. So if, he's can, if he can sort of lead by example, that can probably have a ripple effect throughout the farming community as well. 
Yeah, I I would think so. Um, and it's interesting because I mean I currently work in alcohol and other drug at the moment, and I've been a counsellor. And I and the same thing about unhealthy food. I've kind of said to him about why is wine or alcohol often given as a present for people doing a talk, or you know why is alcohol brought in to give to people to attract people in? Um, and he's actually put the word out there, and he actually had to. You know, they were talking about a present for someone who spoke and someone said a bottle of wine and he said, no. He said, mm. wine's not appropriate, we need to find something else. And he was mm. able to provide some education around that. But not everybody drinks. And what is the messaging that you're providing by giving a bottle of wine to someone who drinks? And also suggested, you know, rather than having an alcohol catch-up, why don't you have a morning where you have coffee or something else that's um, mm. a little bit... Well, not that coffee is healthy, but something that's a little bit different as well. And by him saying that, it's actually got people thinking. Mm, amazing. That's great. You're talking about the same Jason that I know. Yes, I am. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's taken yeah. a while to rub off on him. Yeah, yeah that's great. Amazing. But, yeah, that's, that's tremendous. That's just an example of what's, uh, what's possible. And, um, yeah, you're right. We have sort of gone to the booze uh as a um, as a reward or you know a, you know a, an easy thank you gift, but um, yeah, there's so many other ways we can do it. You know, I, I think you know Sally. When we talk about alcohol, primarily too, Australia is only what two sixty years old. Um, alcohol's been you know a, a real unfortunate um, uh, you know issue with um with the way people have sort of functioned you know throughout you know uh the last couple hundred years and a lot of that uh, intergenerational stuff sort of been passed down we run men's circles up here they're they're definitely you know there's no alcohol or any of that involved guys are starting to learn to communicate without grog uh and it's just it's it's so amazing to see people you know remember what it's like to to communicate and feel connected with themselves and connected with others without having something in their hand um, yes. And you know, I've seen I've seen a young man, uh, twenty eight, just break a cycle of um, you know dad and granddad and, and so forth, way back by saying no, I don't want my my kids to to see me like this. And um, that's that's an example. That's a leader, you know, in, in, yeah. in, in its essence. So so yeah, we we can all make a, a huge difference, um, you know, within our personal lives, which can have a ripple effect on our own families and. Um, a ripple effect with our communities and it all just starts with you know guys like jason and, and others out there which are okay now i see what i've, I've been doing now i can um, maybe make some small changes to make a difference so you know yeah i, I just think um we're, we're at a really pivotal moment in time and i just hope that things start to to progress and change moving forward because they're going to go hammer and tom to try and um, you know keep us unhealthy because it's good for the economy but at the same time, if we can sort of say no to what we're being sold, I think we can, um, you know, take our power back and start to, to make a difference moving forward and live our whole lives, you know, happy, healthy and well, because I think that's that's what we all deserve. Yes, definitely. We definitely deserve to be to be happy and healthy. And, and, I mean, how fantastic, like you said about that 28-year-old who's saying no, and I think it just takes those people to say no, that this is not what we want anymore, mm. like you said, and then it, it can change and have that have that ripple effect on. And, and I guess, you know, with the alcohol probably going back a step too, it all links into that, 
you know, the mental health and if you're not eating well and you're not exercising and your mental health goes down, you're more likely to drink. So it's, it's all so interconnected yep. um, together. So, you know, just by making a small change, it can have have a huge effect. Yeah. And I think that's true, like you said, just a small change. You don't have to make big changes at um, once, but, you know, by that, by one person doing it and then another person does it, over time a real difference can can be made Yeah, to how we live. And I agree. Just, just, just uh, getting off track a little bit, but it's funny how when people sort of get to that point and they become sort of angry and frustrated because everyone's not doing what they do, um, but yeah, it's it's just a matter of being patient and um, and slowly doing the little things that can that can make a difference. And um, you know, if, if anyone's listening to this and they're they're wanting to make changes, just don't be in a hurry. Like you know, sort of Sally mentioned with her with her athletic, athletic pursuits, it was like gradual. You know, making little small changes day by day, week by week, which can um, can have a, a, a tremendous you know impact. And and that's unfortunately the anxiety is a, is a real trap. Uh, for us humans because we sort of want to get there before we've even started a lot of the time and we um, we don't actually, you know, um, enjoy the journey and put the work in and just be curious about what's happening on a daily basis. And it's funny because we've been sort of trained to... Um, to, 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 you know, be, be anxious, uh, as I mentioned, and, and actually want results quickly. And that's probably got a lot worse now than what it used to be. But, um, yeah, you know, with those changes comes a bit of sacrifice. And I just think if you can be prepared to do that, um, you know, have good people around you which can help you on your, on your way, then you'll, you'll get there eventually. Yes, yes, you will. So it is, it is, it is those little steps. Um, and it's about enjoying the journey yeah. as well. Mm. You know, you have little achievements along the way. If you're just looking at the big picture and where you're going to get to at the end without appreciating the little changes that you go along the way, um, then it does seem a little bit overwhelming. But, you know, every day that you eat healthier, or, you know, if you walk a little bit further than what you did the day before, that's a win. Mm -hmm. That's a win. Um, and, and so many people focus on, you know, they want to lose weight and they want to lose 10 kilos. But, you know, if you focus on feeling healthy or, you know, just feeling great and eating healthier, that's so much more important than that big goal. I yep. think it's, it's all about that journey because if you don't enjoy the journey, it's going to seem a whole lot harder mm. as well. That's and you give up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you do. And, you know, getting back to your your um your i suppose uh, iron man there would have been lots of times on that on that uh, journey that you would have sort of felt about you know felt like giving up but you just sort of kept find those little things that to um to be able to get you through what what did it look like for you do you remember the first one you did oh yeah so and probably the the thing about the iron man is it's the, the training, like, you know, there's so much training involved in that as well. And there were days that I'll wake up and say, I don't want to do this today. I just yeah, want to yeah. stay mad. Yeah. Um, this is all too hard. Why am I doing this? Why can't I be normal? But, but it would come back in my head that if I don't do it now, how am I going to feel later today? I'm mm. going to feel a whole lot better later today if I do get up and train mm. or do this than if I don't. So so for me, it's like, you know, you get over that. How am I going to feel if I don't do this compared with how am I going to feel if I do do this? And mm. I guess it can be related, related to life too. Like, you know, if I don't make some healthy changes to me, to what I do now, how am I going to feel later compared with how if I make those few little changes now? Like it's, it's weighing up those options 
I guess. But, you know, in the event as well, it's like, you know, you're running along, you've done 30Ks and all you want to do is get to the end and you're tired and you feel sick and everything hurts. But there's sometimes a, a, an element of a, you know, you feel an amazing achievement by doing something that's so far out of your comfort zone as well. And I think it's so easy to just get stuck in your, in your comfort that this is what I do, this is what I eat, this is what I do each day. But to get out of your comfort zone and challenge yourself, it's, um, and it's an amazing feeling as well to do that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think the mind... The mind will always attach to comfort and it'll attach to the simplicity to keep us feeling safe. But um, yeah, those things in the morning that you can do to get moving and get the, the blood flowing and get the, the lungs working properly can just shift your state. Um, and you know, a lot of people yeah. are doing ice baths, they're doing breath work, they're doing all these different things these days, you know, which can help them get into a, a rhythm again. But um, I, I think it's actually part of humanology that we do these things on a daily basis, you know. Um, rather than just uh, be distracted by devices or TV or radio or stimulants, you know, uh, because it's not natural for us to be in that environment. If we can move and we can be connected with nature more and start to do things which get us back to, you know, feeling, feeling normal again and calm again, um, then that's, that's really giving us the ability to reach our potential. But, you know, we don't have to be going and doing our Ironmans. It's just something which can, you know, can, can help you, uh, help you, you know, sort of get out of your... The negative mind, because that negative mind will dominate too, you know, and it'll always sort of put us down and uh, make us go into a feeling of low self-worth and all that type of thing. And, you know, um, I think we've got the ability yeah. to, to, to change that. Yes. It, it, and it can become a bit of a downward spiral if you're feeling, feeling worse as well. And, you know, the last couple of years I've taken up meditation and, mm. you know, I've actually slowed down a lot in the last couple of years because I realised that Iron Man was a way for me to kind of keep going and to kind of avoid what was happening in my life but by slowing down and going back to meditation um work you know and going for walks and just slowing down mm. has been so beneficial in my life yeah. um as well because we can be so full-on in just trying to do everything and the screens and and so distracted but to actually just take that step back and enjoy nature nature enjoy your feet on the ground and that slowing down is so beneficial Yep. Oh, um, as yeah. well. Yeah, your mental health. Yeah, you're getting getting grounded, eh? And um, yeah, and and it's really awesome to hear you say that you're sort of doing meditation now because when you're when you're doing your athletic pursuits and that you do find a degree of meditation through your repetition. Um, but that repetition now comes through, you know, that that observation when you're sitting in meditation and that too, and that's just helping your mind, you know, get balanced again. And um, yeah, unfortunately, we've had to go through all the the, the athletic stuff to, to find that. But uh, I just think it's, um, it's it's available to all of us to be able to do meditation and make that an integral part of everyday life because it is uh, something we we all need to do. I reckon. Yeah, I totally agree. And I was one of those people that said. I cannot do med. I'm not going to meditate because I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. And 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 the you know the story is if those that don't have time to meditate are those that really need to do it. And I totally believe that. And it's been life changing for me. Mm. And it's something that I make sure I do every day now. It's yeah. just um, amazing mental health. Um, yeah, and so beneficial. And I'm such a better person. Mm. And what about Jason? Is he doing it? Look, I've tried. <laughs> I'm still working on it. He's done a couple. 
but he he's he's probably about two years behind me. Ah, good. He'll ask, be there. He'll ask be him there. in about two years' time, and I reckon he will have caught up with me. He'll be right into it. We need more guys uh, out there teaching it and leading by example. So. Geez, yes. Sally, we, we could talk forever. We are starting a men's circle in Horsham soon, so looking forward to getting that going and um, uh, helping a few guys out. And um, I'd really like to know if anyone wanted to reach out to you from this podcast, what would be the best way to do that? Oh, look, so I'm actually currently working at the hospital, mm-hmm. Which hospital one? in Horsham. So I'm actually just doing some health promotion, alcohol and other drug work there at the hospital so I can be reached there, mm-hmm. I guess. That's probably the best way. Other than that, I'm not really sure. <laughs> That's cool. You're so active I'm on, on social media. I'm on social media. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you can probably find me on, on social media. Um, thinking about starting up another, you know, something not quite so personal, a bit more of a... Um, generic kind of social media so that might be the way to go yeah i reckon you should start your own podcast too because i think you can help a lot of people well that's my plan my plan is to start that so we'll see how this goes aaron and take it from there but i think um <laughs> i think everybody's got a story to tell and, and it always fascinates me to to work with clients and actually say hey look it'd be so amazing to get some of those stories out there so if there's a way that i can do that I think it would be amazing. Yeah, agree. Let's make it happen. All righty. Yes. Thanks very much, Sally. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening in. If you want to reach out, email support at mind.org.au and uh, keep an eye on Sally because uh, the best is yet to come. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Thank no you. Worries. Thanks for having me. <laughs>